Good morning again, Ephesians chapter 6 and Romans chapter 12, if you have your Bible. Glad that you're here with us today. Great community bash last night. Didn't the team do well last night doing that? It was awesome. Thanks for inviting your friends and being there. Um, it was just an awesome day, just having a lot of fun. Uh, last week we ran out of bulletins because we had so many people show up for church. This week we printed some more. Did everybody get a bulletin today? Yeah, you guys always get bulletins. It's third service that doesn't get bulletins, all right? So uh, they'll have some bulletins today, so that's good. God's doing some amazing things at Great Oaks in and through us. So Ephesians 6 and Romans chapter 12, we'll get there in a moment. Hey, I I'm a little old-fashioned, not in how I dress at church, um, but I do have an old-fashioned haircut, right? I I'm a little old-fashioned, not in like the music that I listen to, or I like gadgets, I like the iPhone, I like the new stuff on the iPhone, so I'm not, I'm not super old-fashioned in that way, but in other ways I am, like I, I think marriage should be forever, and I think that kids should be told no sometimes, in fact, maybe lots of times. I think kids should have to deal with boredom and figure out what to do when they're bored, like when I was a kid, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, like I just had to figure out life when I was bored. Like I didn't have somebody handing me something all the time. Like when my mom carted me from grocery store to grocery store to grocery store, or I was in a line, or we were in a vehicle driving five hours to wherever, like, like it wasn't like, oh, Jakey needs something to do, so he's not bored. No. I just had to like stare out at the trees, Right? I mean, that's, that, yeah, I just, did anybody grow up in a house like that? And no, no minivan TVs, no devices. Some of you are like, I grew up in a house way even before that, right? You're like, my mom was just like, play in the dirt and shut up <laughs> on the farm, right? Yeah, it wasn't, I mean, I, I think kids need to, need to learn what to do with boredom, right? I think if you have something important to say, you should say it in person, not on Snapchat or texting or Facebook. Just throwing that one out there. I think, now I tend to be a little bit old-fashioned. I, I think commitment to a local church is, is not twice a year attendance or even twice a month attendance. It's I'm going to be there serving every Sunday unless, you know, those, other than those two Sundays a year when I'm out of town or sick or whatever. I'm old-fashioned, and sometimes that gets me into trouble, honestly. Sometimes that gets me into trouble. Like, my dad and mom taught me that I, that I, as a man, I'm supposed to help women. I'm supposed to open doors. I'm supposed to carry things for them. I'm supposed to help them. When my mom drove up from the grocery store, she didn't unload one sack of groceries. She wasn't, like, the, I never saw my mom carrying in a bunch of groceries, ever. I was the youngest of three boys. At the time, I, we ran out and we grabbed all the groceries and brought them in because mom wasn't supposed to do that. And if we didn't, there was, we had to pay, right? Like dad came home and that did not go well for anybody, all right? I was just taught, like, as a man, I'm supposed to do that. I never thought girls couldn't carry grocery bags. I never thought they were not strong enough. I just... I just was taught as a man that I'm supposed to prefer and honor women in this way. I still think that. And so not too long ago, you know, this got me into trouble because I was on a flight and we were boarding. So we were in that moment where everybody's trying to get to the, they don't board from back to front because that would make too, too much sense. And so 
they do it by like who's royalty and who's peasantry and they do that whole thing. And so I'm peasantry, by the way. I'm always peasantry. It's like, okay, calling groups number 72. That's me. Hi. I finally get to get on the plane. And so we're, we're on the plane and we're in that moment where people are waiting for other people to put their stuff in the overhead bands. It's not fitting. And this lady's got a dead yak and it's too big. And, and we're just like, oh my gosh, can we please? And the lady in front of me is maybe 15 to 20 years my senior and she has a big, big carry-on and she's kind of looking up at the overhead bin. And so I just said with a smile, can I, can I get that up for you, there for you? you know, can I put that up there for you? And she, because I do this, I, I carry groceries for people, I open doors for women, it's just what I was taught. And she looked at me like I had slapped her in the face. She was like, no, I've been doing this my whole life fine without you, and I'll do it today. And I was like, all right, put mine up there then, all right? Can you help me with mine? I'm kidding, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Because I'm old-fashioned, so I just said, and I'm from the South, so I just said, yes, ma'am. I just gave her my best Southerner smile I could come up with in the moment. So sometimes this gets me into trouble, but I was taught to respect, honor, and prefer others, especially women. Not because they're weak, but because like we talked about in our summer series set apart on, first, on the book of 1 Peter, it's because they're precious, valuable worthy of honor. And I'm raising my son Joshua in the same way. Like when I say to Joshua, Joshua, what do we do with girls? He's five and he says, we protect them. And I say, thank you for the awe. I appreciate that. <laughs> he says, we protect them. And I say, why? And he goes, because they're precious and we love them. They're precious and we love them. So when, when he does something to hurt one of my girls, I have a conversation with him. And it goes something like this, buddy, you put me in a hard position because I love you, but you just hurt one of my princesses that I'm supposed, I'm sworn to protect. So what should I do? And we talk through that. We talk through how that's not okay. And many of you know we've gone from a family of five to a family of seven in the last few months because we started foster care. So now there's another young lady, Tanasia, to honor and protect in our house. And another young man, Connor, to help teach this to. I'm old-fashioned. I, listen, I think people in authority should be respected and honored, not slandered. I think teachers should be honored, supported, believed. When my kid has a problem in class, I don't talk to the teacher first. I talk to my kid first. I don't immediately think, well, that teacher probably did. I, I immediately think my kid needs some discipline. And then if I do find out that there's something wrong, if I do feel like I need to go talk to a teacher and there was something that could have been done better, I'm not silent about that. I go talk to them, but my kid will never know that. They'll never know that I went and talked to their teacher about this situation. Why? Because I think it's more important that my kid learn to honor and respect the authority placed over them than it is to fix this situation, whatever this one issue is. So we're in week two of a series called Family Matters. And Christian, non-Christian, Democrat, Republican, white collar, blue collar, young or old, pretty much everyone agrees that family is important, right? Pretty much everyone's going, yeah, this is important. We value it. It matters to us. 
But when it comes to actually living it out and having a family that is healthy, a lot of us just kind of wing it. We just kind of go, well, it'll work out because I love them. Because we love each other and family just kind of happens when you love each other. And like we said last week, love is not all you need. The Beatles were wrong and it didn't keep them together, it won't keep you together, right? If we just take a beat and think about it and look around, we would all agree, wait, 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 it doesn't just happen on its own. There's so many families in our communities that are just falling apart, imploding, struggling, left and right. Just about every single one of us has right now relational strife with somebody in our family. If you don't currently have it, you've probably had it in the past and you'll probably have it in the future, right? We all have that in our family and it's real deep hurt, betrayal, the breaking of of vows and ties. So what I'm saying with this series is is that family matters, but it's so difficult. It's so difficult to do right, to be healthy, to be God honoring. And so we're talking about five family matters in this series. So last week we talked about, talked about faith. Today we're going to talk about honor. Next week we'll talk about commitment. And then the last two will be on time and forgiveness. So those are the five. And these are for whatever stage of family you find yourself in. So these apply to relationship, any relationship with anybody who you call family. You tracking with me? That's what we're talking about in this series. And there was a show called Family Matters, right? Has anybody ever seen that show? Yeah. Um, And the star of the show was kind of a stereotypical genius, clumsy guy, right? What was his name? Urkel, right? So his name was Steve Urkel. This is Steve Urkel. You guys know him well, probably. If you don't know him, like I said last week, you just need some culture in your life. So go Google it and watch it on YouTube or something. But Urkel, he would mess things up. He always had good intentions like you and I probably have, but he would mess things up and, and he would look back on the mess he just made and what, what was his catchphrase? What did he say? Exactly. He'd say, Can I do that? Yeah. And I don't think any of us, when we're 80, want to look up, look back on our life and see a mess we've made out of our family, wrecked and falling apart. And wonder, did I do that? Did I just make a mess of this? So last week we talked about faith. Today we'll talk about honor. We'll start in Ephesians chapter 6. And then I'm going to throw some scriptures at you. But we'll land in Romans chapter 12. So Ephesians chapter 6. Right before what we're going to read, the Apostle Paul is talking to wives and husbands. Or I should say husbands and wives because he talks to husbands first. And it's that passage that you've heard before probably if you've been in church long uh, where, where the Bible tells husbands that they are to love their wives as Christ loved the church in that he gave himself up for her. In other words, sacrificially. They're to love their wives. You as a husband are to love your wife sacrificially. So as a man who decided to follow Christ and then decided to get married, I get to die. You're welcome, men. We get to die. We get to sacrifice ourselves for our family. That's what it means to be married in a God-honoring way. I sacrifice my wants, my desires for my bride. And I married up, so it's way easier for me than you. I'm just kidding. 
But it says that men or husbands are to love their wives sacrificially. It's also the passage that women usually love to hear preached that, say that, that says that wives, you are to submit to your husband as to the Lord. And so men, husbands, sacrifice, wives, submit. And now he's going to talk to children. And he says this in verse 1 of chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Okay. Now, I know this is difficult to understand, right? Children, can I get an amen? Like, how hard is it, like, to obey? Like, does this really mean obey? Like, this is difficult. Like, obey, obey. So I brought my Greek lexicon with me just so that I can show you kind of what this whole thing means, okay? And so the, the New Testament was written in Greek. Lexicon is just a fancy word for um, dictionary. And so I want to read this Greek word to you. I want to make sure I get the pronunciation right here. And so obey, here's the Greek word that this says is, is, is obey. I'm pretty sure this is the right um, pronunciation. It goes like this. Shut your mouth. <laughs> I'm not sure if I got it right. But it's, I think it's more like, shut your mouth. <laughs> Listen, the word obey here in Ephesians chapter 6, it means obey. It means to obey. When it says children, obey your parents in the Lord. It means in Jesus, because of Jesus, through the power of Jesus, Children are to obey their parents, full stop, not negotiate with, not wear down, not argue with, not throw a fit so maybe I'll get my way. No, none of that. Obey. Parents, this means that it's on you to teach your kids obedience to you, that you are to teach your kids how to obey you. If this is a big deal, if you're constantly making decisions that affect them and then changing that when they don't like it or telling them something to do and them not doing it and not following through with discipline, if you're constantly giving in when they argue or they go against you, you are not teaching obedience. Well, pastor, what I like to do is I like to talk to them and then hear what they want and try to give that to them. I like to compromise. Compromise parenting. That's what I'm about. Okay. The Bible teaches obedience parenting, not compromise parenting. Okay, well, pastor, what I like to do is I like to give advice and give suggestions and, and then let my 11-year-old make a life-altering decision themselves. Suggestion parenting, that's what I like. Okay, the Bible teaches obedience parenting. Oh, obedience, I don't obey, I don't like that word, pastor. I really just want to be the favorite mom on the block. I really just want my kids to say I'm the best mom ever. Okay, the Bible teaches obedience parenting. 
And the reason is pretty important. God has given you, as the parent, authority over and responsibility for these souls in your charge as long as they're in your house. And these, these little souls are learning how to obey. They're learning about obedience from you, from how you teach them to obey you. They're learning how to submit to authority by how you teach them to submit to your authority and how you obey God and obey those in authority over you. What I'm saying is that the way that you teach your kids to obey you will inevitably be the way that they try to obey God. The very concept of obedience is on you and me as parents to teach our children. So this is a big deal, obedience parenting. And then Paul in Ephesians 6, he ties this idea of obedience to honor when he quotes one of the Ten Commandments, one of the big ten, right? Honor your father and mother. And he even points out that this is the first commandment tied to a promise that it will go well with you in the land. So, so children grown, not grown, 5, 15, 50 years old, doesn't matter. Honor your father and mother. This is a huge deal to God. Let me, let me show you a passage in 2 Timothy 3. It will be on the screen in a moment, but it just kind of makes me chuckle when I read it because I don't think we put obedience to parents in a list like this. I don't think we put obedience to parents high enough on our list. And so it says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. He's talking about the godlessness in the last days. And he goes, for people at that time will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving God, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. I just kind of chuckle because it's like, man, these people are going to be horrible. They'll be terrorists, they'll be murderers, they'll be serial killers, unholy, ungrateful, heartless, abusive, Oh, yeah, and they won't clean their bedroom when their mom says to. They'll be late for curfew, the godless wretches, right? <laughs> it's kind of funny, but not really, but it, because it shows how serious this is to God. Disobedience to your, fa- to your parents, dishonoring your parents, it's It's a hallmark of godlessness. It's a hallmark of godlessness. It proves that you don't know God. You don't love God. You don't live for God. So this is, guys, this is actually pretty serious. But let me explain something real quick that will help us kind of make a turn here. I don't think this is just about kids cleaning their rooms, okay? I don't think this is just about children obeying parents. Let let me explain this way. Sometimes when we read the commands of Scripture, the laws of God, we kind of read them like we read the laws of a nation, like we read federal law, um, and and we shouldn't do that. The the laws of God and like federal law, they're they're totally different. They're different in their intent and in their intended use. So 
federal laws have to be written to include every application, right? They are prescriptive. And so they're going to try to get around loopholes. They're going to try to have long lists and list out exceptions and be exhaustive and all of that. That's why we need lawyers because one law can become very long and very confusing very quickly. But the laws of God are not written in that way. They're written to send us in a direction. They, they are about your heart. They're about your heart. Like, like one of the Ten Commandments is do not covet your neighbor's wife. Ever heard that before? So if you read that like we would read a federal law, we would say, okay, then I can covet my neighbor's car. Right? I can covet my coworker's wife because they're not my neighbor. I can covet what the person down the street has because technically they're not my neighbor. You see what I mean? But the heart behind that law is that if you live your life wanting what other people have, it'll make you miserable. The heart behind the law is don't covet. The heart behind the law is that God will give you everything you need to accomplish what he's called you to accomplish in your life. Be content. Don't covet what other people have. But oftentimes we read the commands of God in the Bible and we immediately start thinking about what this doesn't cover, right? What is this? What can I get away with? We're looking for loopholes. Loopholes. That's not the way to do it. So take this command to honor your father and mother. If we read it prescriptively, it says, Children, honor your father and mother so that it will go well for you in the land. If we read it prescriptively, we would say, Okay, I have to honor my dad and my mom, but I don't have to honor my brother and my sister. I don't have to honor my wife. I just have to honor my dad and my mom, and then I'm good. I follow the law. Or we may say, I don't have a dad and mom. Maybe they passed away or they're not in your life anymore. And so you go, I don't even have to worry about this whole honor thing because they're not in my life. Or, or you might say, you, you might say, I, I, I can dishonor all these other people as long as I honor my parents. But that's not the way the commands of God work. The heart behind this command is to honor. Honor those in authority over you, heads of your household. And I think the, the heart here is to honor everybody. To honor everyone, especially in your family. And you go, well, but it doesn't say that. It doesn't, where are you getting that? Pastor, it doesn't say that. Well, what, what I try to do when I read the scriptures is, is I try to interpret the Bible with the Bible. And so, like, I, I try not to pull out a scripture, a verse or two, pluck them or divorce them from their context and try to apply them out over here, away from their context. I try to understand what God is saying in his word by his word. And so I'm confident that God's heart is that we honor all of our family. But let me show you why I think that. Back to Ephesians 6 for just a moment. He's just said, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Verse 4, he says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so if you're a dad and you read, children, obey your parents, for this is right, you may stop there and you may go, yeah, come here, boy, go make me a sandwich, right? 
Go take out the trash. I don't know why my dad voice is that way, but it just is. You might think that way, and Paul goes, no, 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 no. Fathers, do not needlessly provoke your children to anger. Don't, don't do that. They're supposed to honor you, yes, but you're supposed to honor them in this way as well. The next one, Ephesians 5.33, it's talking to husbands at the first part. Paul writes, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So now a wife is to honor her husband, not just her parents. So that's at least three people if you're a wife, right? Mom, dad, husband, respect and honor them. Then 1 Peter 3, 7, we covered this this summer, but it says, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman. So husbands should honor their wives and women in general, not just their parents or their kids. So the, the circle of who we're supposed to honor is growing and growing. And there's more. 1 Timothy 5.3 says to honor widows. Then verse 17 in that chapter says to doubly honor those who have the role of elder or overseer in the church. And if you're still trying to find a loophole in all of this, who do I not have to honor? 1 Peter 2.17 says honor everyone. Everybody say everyone. everyone. Crazy uncle, honor them. Obnoxious brother, Honor them. The people you disagree with, honor them. Somebody who makes you mad, honor them. Serve them. Respect them. No loopholes. No loopholes. So this is all over the Bible, but I want to camp out for our last few minutes in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. The Apostle Paul says this, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. So this is addressed to the church family, but it absolutely applies to your first family, your biological family, but not just that, could be blended family, could be adopted family, friends that you call family, anybody that applies to all of those. So three quick observations from this one verse for you to chew on uh, this week with your family and with your life group. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Number one, love leads to honor. Love leads to honor. If we truly love our family, we will seek to honor them. Now, Love, by its nature, is honoring. However, what we call love, what we often call love in our lives and our culture is not honoring. So we have to be careful how we're defining love, right? So there is a worldly type of love that does not honor. But there's a godly type of love that always leads to honor. So worldly love starts with me. But godly love starts with my brother or my sister. Worldly love it talks about what can I get from my dad. Godly love talks about what can I give my dad. Worldly love is concerned with my mom serving me. Godly love is concerned with me serving my mom. Are you tracking with me? Worldly love goes, I want a wife that respects me. Godly love says, I want to be a husband that respects 
his wife. Worldly love goes, I'll give it to him. I'll be nice to him. I'll serve him as soon as he does it to me. As soon as he gives me what I want, I'll give him what he wants. Godly love gives unconditionally with no strings attached. So love, true love, real love, godly love leads to honor. It leads to honor. But what what does it mean in this verse to, to outdo one another in showing honor? Here's what I think it means. Number two, strive to honor rather than be honored. So if you, if you try to out-honor someone, it means you love to honor more than you love to be honored. It means that you love to elevate others more than you yourself love to be elevated. A lot of times in family and in other arenas in life, we're always thinking about what we're owed, right? Well, I, I should get this. We're thinking about how to position ourselves in a way that we receive the most amount of honor to where we are served in the greatest capacity instead of thinking about how we are to give honor. Well, I worked all day, so you should make dinner for me. Has that ever gone well for anyone? No. I was with the kids all day, so you should let me go out with my friends and you take them. Maybe you're an older brother or sister and you're constantly having your younger brother or sister do stuff for you. We know your game, older brothers and sisters. I had two brothers, older brothers. We know, we got you figured out. You're always having them take your plate after dinner, go get you stuff upstairs, whatever it is, to wait on you hand and foot. Why are you doing that? Because you like to be served more than you like to serve. You like to be honored more than you like to honor. Maybe at Thanksgiving dinner in your family, all the men just sit around watching football while all the men, all the women cook a huge meal and then clean up after that meal. Why? That's just the way it's always been. No, it's because you're lazy. And you want to be honored more than you want to honor. You like to be served more than you like to serve. And maybe that scenario on Thanksgiving that I just said, maybe that happens nightly in your house. I don't know. In my house, we have a rule. Unless someone's sick or something, the person who cooks the meal doesn't clean up after the meal. Why? Because we should strive to honor rather than be honored, to serve rather than be served. Maybe when you go to grandma's house, you let her wait on you hand and foot. Or maybe you're the grandma. (laughs) When you go to the grandkid's house, you let their mom wait on you hand and foot. Maybe everyone in your family changes their plans all around your preferences and your pickiness. We don't go anywhere he doesn't want to go. We don't do anything she doesn't want to do. You're the center by which the solar system of your family revolves. Maybe maybe you're a child in that scenario or maybe you're a toddler trapped in an adult's body. But it's all about you. Why? Because you would rather be honored than to honor. You would rather be served 
than to serve. Listen, what I'm saying in all of this is that it shouldn't be all one way or the other, right? We should all be seeking to honor each other, to outdo one another in honor. What would that look like? What would it look like if your family began to try to honor more than they were being honored, to outdo one another in serving one another with our acts of service, with our words, with our sacrifices? When my family goes on a vacation or goes camping, um, I always have this thing I do with the kids where I ask them, hey, what, what is your goal for this trip? What's your goal for this camping trip? And they They answer this way. So if I say, Kennedy, what's your goal for this camping trip? We're in the truck, we're driving. What's your goal for this camping trip? Kennedy will say, my goal is to make sure that my brothers and sisters have a good time. So she'll name them. My goal is to make sure that Hannah, Joshua, Connor, and Tanasia, if they're with us, have a good time. And everybody goes down the line. So I ask Hannah. She's three. This last summer went on three camping trips. She's three. Every time she answered, my goal is to, I mean, she's, she doesn't know what she's saying, but she's saying it, right? She, she's saying it. Because if everyone is thinking about how to help everyone else in their family have a good time, then everybody's going to have a good time, right? It's the same thing with honor. If everybody is seeking to honor others and honor everyone else, then in the end, everyone will be honored. If everyone is seeking to serve everyone else, then in the end, everyone will be served. So put to death this craving for honor. Instead, cultivate in yourself a love for honoring others. And then the third thing I'll say about this verse is is just about what honor actually is. So it says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Maybe you're going, what? What is honor, though? What are, we, what are we really talking about? What does it mean? Well, love leads to honor, but they are, they are different. You can honor somebody for whom you have no affection, right? You can still show honor. So love and honor aren't always connected, but the Apostle Paul is saying do both, love and honor. So here's what I think in this verse honor means. Number three, honor is serving someone whether they deserve it or not. Honor is serving someone whether they deserve it or not. So the honor we show to those we love is not based on what they deserve or what they have earned. If it was, we wouldn't do it, right? Because there's always a reason not to honor someone until you find a perfect person and that's only Jesus, right? And so there's always a reason. There's always a loophole. You can always find a loophole. Here's why I'm not going to do this. Here's why I'm not going to serve them. Here's why I'm not going to honor them. That's why this is not based on that. Your brother or sister may not deserve it, but you can still honor them anyway. Your wife may not deserve it, but you can honor her anyway. Your stepdad may not deserve it, but you can honor him anyway. Honor means treating someone, one another, better than they deserve. That's what, that's what honor means in this verse. I told you um, that I'm a bit old-fashioned. I teach the young men in my house to protect women, to honor them, to prefer them. But sometimes the girls in my house don't act in a way that begets honor. They don't act in a way that makes it easy to honor them. 
I know this may be shocking to you. Maybe you've seen my three-year-old Hannah, those blue eyes, that blonde hair, that sweet smile. And you're like, there's no way she does anything bad ever. You're wrong. Okay, she has a whole other side to her. All right, she's, she's my third. She's my youngest. She, I mean, she's close to perfect, but not quite there. You haven't seen that other side. If you talk to Kennedy or even Tanasia, you may think, man, these, these girls are sweet. How, how could they be causing problems, right? And they're so awesome, so respectful, always smiling, so great. <laughs> they are great. But you, you better watch out. You better watch out. You've been gamed, all right? Because these girls will smile at you. They will be sweet. And while they have that beautiful smile on their face, they're simultaneously planning your public demise <laughs> in their brilliant minds. And so you have to be careful, all right? My, the girls in my house are great. They're awesome, but they're not perfect. So there are times when Joshua or now Connor will, will go to me and they'll say, but, but they started it. They hit me. They said this. They took my thing. They broke my thing. They started it. And I'll say, I know, buddy. I believe you. I'll handle them. But it doesn't matter. Because what do we do with girls? We protect them. Why? Because they're precious. And we love them. And try to teach the same principle to the girls. We honor and prefer one another even when the other person is wrong, even when they mess up. That's not fair. Why should I have to go talk to them? Why should I have to go check on them? Why should I have to go make sure they're okay? They're the ones who caused the problem, not me. That's not fair. All true, but it doesn't matter because we're a family, because we love each other, and love leads to honor. And the honor we show, it's not based on what they deserve. It's based on how much we love them. And there's a difference. And listen, I'm using kids in this illustration because it's easy to understand. But I have sat across the office from countless married couples and had this exact same conversation, more than I could count. I've talked about this with more bitter parents and angry grown children than I can count. All refusing to give honor because they feel their family doesn't deserve it in their eyes. Refusing to honor until they are honored themselves. It doesn't work that way, at least not for a Christ follower. It doesn't work that way. And listen, I know this is hard. Like I know it seems impossible. I know it's super, like how do we honor someone who we feel doesn't deserve it? How do we serve them when we feel they don't deserve it? I think that's, it's very difficult. I think that's why the Apostle Paul starts Romans chapter 12 the way that he does. So before he says, show brotherly affection to, to everyone and outdo one another in honor. He says this in, in verse 1 of chapter 12. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. So everything that follows 
Romans 12, verse 1, has at its foundation the mercies of God. So this is difficult. I get that. And, and the only way you're going to be able to do it is to remember, to first receive and then remember the mercies of God in Christ. How he honored you in giving himself up for you. How he, he died on a Roman cross for you to serve, how he was the epitome of servanthood on this earth and in his sacrifice on the cross. Listen, beloved, and you didn't deserve it, despite the fact that you did not deserve it. You were stuck in your sin, not even looking for a savior, not even knowing that you needed saving, and yet he still died for you. You deserve only death hell, separation from God, and separation from all things good. That's fair. You want fair? That's fair. Fair is eternity in hell. I know that may be hard for you to hear this morning because every other message you hear and every other arena outside of this place maybe is telling you you're awesome and that you just need to be you. You just need to be a better you. Just Dig deep and be good. Just trust yourself. Listen, that is horrible advice. You don't want to be you. I don't want to be me. I don't want to dig deep into this. There's only darkness, wickedness, and sin in Jake. Listen, some of you don't like Jake. I don't like him either. I don't want more of Jake. Nobody needs more of Jake. We need more of Christ. We need the grace of God in Christ. We deserve only death, hell, and an eternity away from God and everything good. And yet, the mercies of God, the grace of God, aren't you so glad if you're a Christ follower? You've got to be glad. Aren't you so glad that he didn't give you what you deserve? I mean, isn't that good that he gave you instead what you don't deserve by his grace and by his mercy? He showed you his kindness in Jesus Christ on the cross. Kindness, love, grace. Listen, family is difficult. Honoring is difficult. The key is to receive and remember the mercies of God in Christ shown clearly at the cross of Christ. That's the key. The well from which, the the deep, everlasting well from which you pull the power and the ability to honor your family even when they don't deserve it That well is the mercies of God in Christ shown to you at the cross of Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Ah, Thank you so much for your mercy, God. That although we don't deserve it, you give us, grant us salvation and eternal life with you, joy everlasting. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray for those in this room 
who have yet to receive that, who are thinking, do I deserve hell? Do I deserve separation from God? What, is that fair? They have yet to receive your mercy through the cross of Jesus. I pray that today it would be kind of like a, like a flood being released in their souls. That the dam would break, that all the doubts and the questions would be pushed to the side. And, and they would feel in this moment your mercy, their great need, and your great mercy. Your grace that is sufficient and that it would transform their lives like nothing else can, like I can't do, like good works can't do, like understanding can't do. Only you can do this, Jesus. So I ask for that to happen in the hearts of many who have yet to receive your mercies. Let it be today. I pray for those of us who have, who have walked this road a little bit, we've received your mercy shown on the cross of Christ, and, and yet we struggle to reach into that well time and time again and show honor and service and love to those who we think don't need it I, or don't deserve it. I pray, Jesus, that you would help us to remember those mercies, to remember those. That when we say they don't deserve it, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to reach out, I'm not going to serve, I'm not going to honor, I'm not going to show mercy, that you would immediately, in the name of Jesus Christ, that you would stop that lie, that you would stop us in our tracks, that you would convict us with a heavy conviction, and that that conviction would remind us of the kindness you've shown us in Jesus, and that we don't deserve it, and that there's no, nothing we could do to earn it, and therefore everything we give is out of that fact, and we would find the strength in you to honor and to show mercy. God, I pray, as I always do, that whatever is of me today would be quickly forgotten, fall to the wayside, and whatever is of you would be remembered and would be like a seed planted in good soil in the hearts of many, that it would take root, that it would bear fruit, that it would change lives. We love you, God. We give this all into your hand. It's in your holy name that we pray. Everybody said amen. Why don't you stand with me? Listen, if, if you want to talk to somebody about giving your life to Christ, receiving the mercies of God, or, or you want prayer for that, or you're just going, I'm doing that today, I'm going to do that, then go talk to a prayer worker. We'll have them on the side. We would love to pray for you. We've got a packet we'll give you, and I've decided packet just to say, hey, this is the next step. We'll help you with that. But hey, today would be a great day. If you've got kids in this service, or even if you can go get them quickly, today would be a great day to bring your kids over to a prayer partner your family over to a prayer partner and go, hey, we just want to do this right. Family matters. We just want to do this right. Would you just pray with us for our family that going from this day forward, we would honor one another in the way that Pastor Jake was talking about, in the way that the Bible calls us to. Today would be a great day for that. So make sure you take advantage of those prayer workers today. But here's my prayer for us today. May our love for our family lead us to honoring them no matter what we think they deserve. At all times, may we strive to honor rather than to be 
honored. And may the mercies of God and Christ be the foundation for it all. Make sure you uh, talk with your life group about this this week. Talk it over with them. If you're not in a life group and you have yet to get plugged into Great Oaks yet, that's okay. We'll get you plugged in to stop at Connection Central. On the way out, we'll get you into a life group. And my challenge to you is, as it always is, leave here not dismissed, but sent. Be Jesus followers who make and disciple other Jesus followers. We'll see you next week. Bring somebody with you.